Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my... You know, I really didn't think about this, Ben. <laughs> what do you want to What do you want to be tonight? Do you want to just be like? Can I just be your friend? Yeah, just my friend, Ben Bumhofer. I have a friend! <laughs> Yay! That's one. <laughs> you have many friends. Oh well, I people hope so. Love, people love you. Well, thanks. They, you know, I, I gotta say, I am lucky that you are my friend because people love you too. And Aww. it just goes to show that, well, you're a good guy. You know, just podcasting, just in general, since, you know, since we're just on tangents already. It's anyways, a love fest today. <laughs> it is. It is. This is, it's, this is very therapeutic for me. This is one of the, one of the ways that really helps me unwind mm-hmm. after a long week because I get to chat with you, I get to catch up with you, I get to talk about something I absolutely love doing. It's good. Yeah, good. exactly. And who'd have thought that podcasting would bring so many people together? Podcasting's great. Yeah, speaking podcasts, of... Podcasts are great. Again, we love getting your tweets and your emails, so thank you and keep those up. We will address some of those in a future episode. Yep, we do have uh, a few that we uh, have backlogged that will be coming yes. next episode. Yes, yes good stuff. Um, yeah, this episode anyway. We got stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, a, what, kick it off, man. So uh, I think uh, this episode, we, we were kind of talking a little bit back and forth, and this topic came up. Uh, in a big way in one of my games uh, as one of my players was talking about how um, things like D&D Beyond helped uh, help them out so much, just process things and uh, focus on things and take a lot of the, the legwork out of things. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be great to talk about uh, accessibility in D&D digital tool sets in general and accessibility just in tabletop RPGs, because this is a, uh, this is a big deal. Accessibility is, is a huge deal, not only for people that might have um, needs to have certain things like easier to read, uh, easier to listen to, easier to li- more, uh, or what's the word? Betterly? It's not betterly. Yeah, you know what? We're gonna go with betterly because it's betterly fancy. Betterly laid out from like <laughs> a, a a user user interface type perspective, um, and that type of thing. So this is this is an incredibly important topic, and I think D and D is a great place to start because, like really none other that I'm aware of, D and D Beyond has become such a major part of Dungeons and Dragons, specifically fifth edition, because yes. it is a fifth edition tool set, but it is, it has become such a major part of the game because of all the things that it brings to the table. And it is by no means perfect. There's um, a lot of things uh, we'll talk about that I'd love to see added to it. There's a lot of things um, from a business model that could be better uh, about it. But overall, having some sort of digital tool set like this that can allow you to roll dice, that can manage your equipment, that can, uh, incredibly importantly, uh, especially in games like this that are, I mean, D&D is 
far from the most complex of tabletop RPGs you can play, but it's, it's nothing to sneeze at either. Mm -hmm. And so like managing your spells, huge, huge deal. Um, I can't, I was, I was telling a friend the other day, I can't imagine trying to play a spellcaster without D and D beyond. I did actually. Um, so way back before we started doing the show, I was a cleric in a, a fifth edition campaign and I ended up having to buy the spell cards and basically the, at the beginning of every day, I would go through my spell cards and kind of choose which ones I would have set up. But here's the, the, the big thing that's that D and D beyond like helped with that as I mean, obviously you have your spell set up and with clerics, you have access to every single spell. So it's, that's a challenge in of itself, but the big thing that I had an issue with is something that I'm just going to tout that D and D beyond does the best. And, and by the way, before we get into this, we are not sponsored by D and D beyond. It is just a tool that we both like very strongly suggest that you, you know, like get in on right. because it, it's just, it is it's so just helpful. that good. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's honestly been that game changing. Exactly. But one of the things that they do that I appreciate so much is in the character sheet, they do all those tiny little additions and stuff that you don't even think about. Like the hardest thing that I had was, okay, I leveled up. Okay. How many spells do I know now? Okay. It has to do with my career or my, my wisdom modifier as well as this, as well as this, but it's a plus eight and like all the stuff that was going on, like behind the scenes on my character, I really didn't fully grasp every time I have a level um, like rolling for hit points you know, you're not guaranteed that you're going to remember to put your, your con modifier in with whatever hit points you rolled. Um, like I said, the, uh, the, the, the spells, how many I have, um, what my spell attack modifier is, you know, trying to figure that out or my, my, my spell save, you know, I would have to figure it out every single time. And if I leveled and didn't really pay attention, I might've missed the fact that, you know, it went from 15 to 16. That's a big difference when you're rolling, you know, in combat and trying to command someone to bow or, you know, whatever you're trying to get. Grovel. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, like in with my, my mace, I wasn't using my strength modifier. That's kind of a big deal too. You know, I had a, a, a plus two that I could add in there and it made my combat really boring because I would miss all the time. And, you know, my spells weren't going great because I, I didn't have all that stuff. The neatest thing about D&D Beyond is the fact that when you go in and you level up, it has like, you know, little blue circles next to, hey, this needs your attention. You, you know, you are able to have an ability score modifier, uh, you know, there are two additions to that or a feat. You need to choose them here. Or, hey, you're at the level where you get to choose a subclass. It, it's those tiniest little things that you can miss in the level up process that have helped me so much and become so much more aware of like what goes on when I'm playing a character, you know, in another campaign that I'm not running. And it's, it makes it easier as a DM to answer those questions and know where to find all those things as well. Well, and not, not just that, the, the, the spell portion, the time consuming stuff. Mm -hmm. I like, like you said, you got the spell cards, like someone who doesn't have the spell cards pulling the player's handbook out or whatever and flipping through mm -hmm. the spells in the back. Then writing them down 
And then you have to know, like, is an attack? Is it a DC? What the effect actually is? I mean, you need that book with you the entire time. Yeah. If if you don't have those like spell cards or anything, and it's it's even like in in some ways, it's a, it's easier for wizards because you have a set amount you learn for classes that have their entire spell list. It's like as a cleric, you have twenty. 30 spells to look through at the beginning of the day. <laughs> Even if I can only have 10, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And so you're, you're either flipping through the book or you're now shuffling through all your cards every long rest and looking mm-hmm. through and going, oh, crap, what do I need? What does this one do? And stuff versus, boom, there's a list. I click it, boom, it pops out the full description. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you know, and you're just able to see all that in one nice list. And that's just, as I, it's, it's really bad because I, I say I've been spoiled. Like mm-hmm. I, D&D Beyond has spoiled me. And we're, we're kind of going to be mixing just other systems, other uh, tabletop RPGs throughout this topic. But I think for me, I, I, I usually learn new games fairly well. Like I, I can pick up I can pick up new games, new game systems and stuff mm-hmm. without without too much trouble. Um that's not necessarily true for all the people I play with. And so like for a group to switch systems, like if I were to say, let's try a campaign of Call of Cthulhu or Vampire the Masquerade or Star Wars or something like that all of a sudden that is now a massive learning burden mm-hmm. on those people. It's a massive uh, expense burden, not, not even, you know, counting that there's, there's a lot of stuff that would need to be bought and whatnot. A lot of stuff that would need to be learned. And then I'll almost, I am unaware of for the most part, other than maybe like uh roll twenties, like burn bright system that was built specifically for digital specifically for roll 20 yeah um but that's that is the exception by far and not the rule most of the systems we would switch to you'd be going back to paper yeah in fact and many of we, them are just as complex or more so than D. yeah when we went to or when i i, I was in that uh, star wars campaign for a bit i went from well first of all i went from you know paper uh Dungeons and Dragons, and then in another game, D&D Beyond, I'm like, oh, this is great. And then to paper Star Wars, which was essentially like a 3.5 version of D&D, kind of, but it still had a whole bunch of different things. And we were trying to incorporate um, like different versions and, and, and other things so that we kind of had special rules on top of things. So like there's no ability to like really homebrew stuff onto the page as easy as like say D beyond is um but just figuring out it's like okay well you have oh, i forget what it is but it's like you have two versions of health like you have vitality points and wound points and it's like okay once your vitality points are gone that's when you go to wound points and that's when you like you know if, if you start losing those that's when things are bad like oh you can't use your arm anymore or something like that it's like what you know and we're 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 going up against things that have you know blasters and like one hit and you can kind of be dead it's 
you know, an entirely different system in that sense. But then going into, okay, well, I have skill points that I'm putting into all of my different abilities as opposed to, um, you know, like, okay, well, I'm trained in this or trained in that. Um, and granted, I know this is more of like a 3.5 thing, but having to go back to the books and figure out, okay, well, for my class, I get this many skill points. This is what I'm actually proficient in. It takes two points for one point into something that I'm not proficient in. And like, I get where all of it's coming from and, you know, it's been play tested. A lot of it's worked out and it makes sense. But if you don't have that helping hand, you really need to have someone there who completely understands because you couldn't build an entirely underpowered character that ends up just being, you know, unusable in a campaign or Conversely, if you read the instructions wrong, you could be so overpowered that the other players don't really matter. So, yeah, I mean, going back to paper is rough and it makes me not really want to do much outside of D&D because of that, which you're right. It's totally spoiled me because of that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a, a great example. Um, the, the second campaign I DM, uh, most of them had either never played D&D before or had played long, long ago yeah. and far away. And so the great part about it was I made a campaign. I sent them the join link and I said, there you go. Follow the character creator and then shoot me questions. If you have questions, mm -hmm. it walked them through it for the most part. I answered a few questions here and there, but I, was remarkably hands-off of the whole character creation process because it walked, it, especially if you set it to like the tutorial mode, mm -hmm. it will walk you through and tell you what everything means and what the stuff is. And that, that's a, a big deal to have. And it's, again, it's not that if you have a, a game system that doesn't have a digital aspect of it, it's going to be bad or it's not going to work or it's not going to be fun to play because I have certainly played many games that were pen and paper type games yeah. and I've had a, I've had a great time, but again, I'm probably from a like gameplay perspective. I'm probably a little more tolerant of that type of thing. I'm a little more tolerant into the learning and the math stuff and, and whatever. Uh, there's a lot of people who really aren't who probably would enjoy a lot of these games, but the barrier to entry for it is extremely high. And so it's really all about lowering that barrier to entry. And I think, honestly, that is one of the reasons that fifth edition is doing so. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons there is. Yeah. You've got, you've got uh, tons of amazing podcasts, um, You've got tons of amazing like actual play games. You've got the, the critical role stuff, the Dimension 20 stuff, high rollers. Um, I mean, just uh, the Rivals of Waterdeep. Like, all, yeah, just tons and tons of these things, which can shoot this out to a broad audience and at least uh, give the awareness of it. Mm -hmm. And I suppose if you watched enough of them, you could probably pick up relatively kind of how to play but you're not going to necessarily fully learn to play from those yeah. shows. Yeah. So you need, you need something else. That's, that's the hook that 
that gives you the awareness and those types of things have been played a huge role in 5e's popularity but i think tools like dnd beyond have been, played a huge role in keeping people and getting them actually to to a uh, putting it down to a level where they can step in and go okay this isn't too bad i can make a character and i can i can join in and now like oh i can roll dice in this thing there's a game log and stuff like that yeah and so cuz again almost no other system has this type of tool that's available and so when you have this amount of accessibility and this amount of basically handholding, which is not a bad thing. In fact, nope. it, more handholding. That's great. Handholding for me. <laughs> it helps me, <laughs> helps me learn. It helps me remember. Oh my goodness. Having D&D Beyond as a DM where I can just click into any of my players' character sheets and look up a thing real fast yes. if I need to without having to pull my book out and flip to the, the I don't know how many section. times I jump in and look at a spell. It's like, okay, well, I'm casting this spell. I have no idea what that spell is. I go to check real fast. And then that way they can focus on reading it and doing it mm -hmm. while I look at it as well to see if I need to do anything special or make any modifications or anything like that. And it makes it so much easier to where I don't have to know everything because then the, either the player has it instantly, boom, right there where they can read it to me or I can just jump in and read it for myself. And so I think in a lot of ways, not only has it been an accessibility thing, but it's been a massive time saver. Like I can't imagine how much time would be wasted in sessions of people having to look stuff up without tools like this. Yeah. And you know, another thing too, that it, it, it may seem like just a tiny little like plus, but it's actually one of the greatest things. It's the fact that D&D Beyond one has an app now, so you can, you know, you don't need a full computer to get to it. Um, but even so it's very portable friendly. So if you're using your phone, which let's face it, most of us have phones. Um, uh, on top of that, too, if you have a tablet or whatever and you're going to your game session, as long as you've got power and a Wi-Fi connection, which, I mean, if you're going to someone's house, there's a, a very good chance that there's a Wi-Fi connection. And with um, the app now, you don't even need the Wi-Fi connection yeah, if you that's true. preload your character because it lets you access it on, offline. Yeah. But the thing is, it's online. You don't need to worry about losing your sheet. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a game where someone lost their character sheets or they had to kind of you know quickly rebuild it because they didn't remember if they leveled on the last session or not like there, there's all this that's in there that it's just there you're good you don't have to worry about losing your dice because it has digital dice um of course i i still love rolling dice physically because yeah, for sure. i just i just love that but i mean it's one of the greatest things of like okay cool um I don't have my character sheet with me. Let me grab my phone. Boom. Good. Good to go. Ready for anything at this point. And it's just the, the tiniest little advantage, but it means a lot. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it really does. And D&D Beyond is certainly not, not the only thing, too. Um, you have things like, like Roll20, like mm -hmm. Fantasy Grounds, like uh, Foundry, uh, Tailspire. 
I, I, you, you listed Tailspire. That's yes. a, that's a good one. Um, and then we have all these things, zoom, discord, um, Skype, all the Skype, uh, Skype. <laughs> begrudgingly, begrudgingly mentioned it is, it I, is used somewhat. I know some people still use Skype, but I recommend switching over to something else like zoom or discord. Yeah. Um, but these types, <laughs> those types of tools have actually made playing online possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I suppose you could technically have just like a, a big like group phone call and and do do a D and D session. Off you know of that. what? Back in like the eighties, I'm sure when three way calling was like a big deal, you could have like, okay, here's the calling tree. I'm going to call you and you. Then then Jimmy is going to call Susie while on the call, and then Susie is going to call Bob, and then Bob will call Janine in. And then we've got our party set up. I'm sure it happened. Those calls sucked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> many people. But <laughs> it could happen. But yeah, the yeah. point is, it's so much easier now. Plus, you get to see the people. Well, and yeah, that's the thing. Again, it's an accessibility thing. It's voice and video. It is a virtual tabletop experience. Because, again, when we, we talk about accessibility, there are, there are people whose brains just have a hard time doing things like theater of the mind combat. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's not. I'm one of them. Yeah. Some we people just have a hard time visualizing that. And, um, and so being able to have a virtual tabletop like that, all of a sudden, boom, you got a visual aid mm -hmm. right there. I can see exactly where my character is. Um, and so have it just having the ability to do that is is such a huge deal and it's only something that's really come about in the last what maybe five years five to seven years maybe about maybe a little more but i mean it's definitely come into prominence within that time mm -hmm. i mean i think roll 20 has been around for quite a while but it, it wasn't you know wild wildly used and popular until you know definitely within the last five to ten years something like that uh, and then i mean Tailspire is a, a, a newer uh, tabletop game, which I, I think we both ended up kickstarting. Um, and that's like full 3D environments uh, that you can, you know, kind of create as your table. Uh, Fantasy Grounds also has been around for, for quite a few years. Um, and the thing is too, one thing that's really neat is that this isn't just, you know, um, distant play. Uh, I've seen people create gaming tables that have like a large flat screen and then they'll import those oh, maps yeah onto the the tv on the table and use that as their map as opposed yeah. to like you know printing Throw the miniatures on top of it mm -hmm. yeah exactly or, or just use the digital tokens at the table mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's like like i will never i will never be the type of dm who's just like you can't bring a digital device to a table like i think we're i think we're kind of past past that yeah i will ask hey maybe don't play on facebook the entire time and get into like a a flame war with someone while we're in the middle of combat <laughs> but yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's just i know most of the stuff i mean heck i have an ipad and a chromebook mm -hmm. that i use for my sessions all my players are either on a tablet or a phone or a laptop of some sort yeah. and that's fine that's fine. 
that's it's just one of those things and if <clears throat> you know if it's if this is this is like a, a three or four hour thing this is a lot of these a lot of the times we're doing this to be with each other as much as we are to play the game and so as long as you're interacting and you're having fun like that's that's really all i care about like that's yeah. That's that's kind of the main goal of this whole thing, anyways. But I just so I wanted to kind of cover that, and I know, and just from like a futures perspective, Ben, I know we we've talked about this a little bit. I think the D and D Beyond type model is really going to be the futures, like the future journey, or should be the future journey for these publishers who are doing these uh, especially bigger tabletops Definitely. like when you, when you talk about like smaller indie games or something like that that have <clears throat> you know 5 10 15 20 page rule book you don't necessarily need no. a digital compendium a huge digital add-on I mean, it can't hurt but you don't need yeah. it no it's 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 level of complexity right like mm-hmm. we're at a certain point you're just like yeah i i've got four stats you know, that's, that's it. <laughs> I've got yeah. I, like, like four or six actions I can do. Like that's, that's not bad. Just give me a, a paper handout. We're not like leveling up or anything. This is just kind of a, this is how the system works. Exactly. But when we're talking about a lot of these other big ones, I, I would personally feel that all these bigger publishers that do these bigger games should be looking towards the digital end and the digital era to supplement and come alongside their content mm-hmm. to make it again more accessible because you've got this player this player base but i feel like digital in now and in the future is really the stepping stone to that next level of player player interaction player base expansion mm-hmm. um just allowing your system to be accessible and used and played more by a bunch of different people, especially given like tutorials, like digital tutorials that walk you through the character creation that walk you through uh, being a DM and, you know, things, things like that. Like I know for me personally, just with the amount of free time I have, that I will be far more apt to look into a system that has a digital tool set to go along with it and help me out as a DM and or player than I would a system that would is all pen and paper. Yeah. And just to kind of put a cap on, on uh, my argument uh, specifically for D and D beyond how helpful it is. um, I created characters and ran a game for my parents and they intuitively picked up where to look on the character sheet, what to do uh, with just like a minimal amount of help. It's so cool. Yeah. It's, it was such a Could you imagine putting a piece of paper in front of them with all that stuff and (laughs) and doing that? (laughs) It's like, okay, if you push here, then it pops up with a little menu. Here are your actions. This is what you can do. Here are your different abilities. This is what you can do. And I mean, it's just like, Oh, okay. Like, both of them were in it, able to do it. I, I mean, I had my sister and Nevermore there to help out as well. But for the most part, I mean, they were really good at just, you know, figuring out. It's like, oh, well, I can cast this now because this is, it's an action and I have that available to me, right? Yeah, you sure can. And I mean, it, 
it worked out so incredibly well. They knew like their movement speed, which, you know, like the tiniest of things, it's, they're able to find it. And it, it was such a great experience for me that I will constantly say how great D and D beyond is. And that, and that's not to say that there couldn't be improvements. And I, and no, I wanted not. to touch on this too, because there's, there's a lot of stuff they could still improve just from a, a feature standpoint in D and D beyond. And they, they are constantly improving. Like they just added uh, they just added spell management finally. <laughs> <laughs> to the app, which is which is super nice. Uh, they just added being able to roll to specific players or to the DM in the game log, mm-hmm. which is which is super helpful, super cool. Um, but the the biggest thing that I know a lot of people talk about, and which is a, a, a certainly a valid concern, is that technically fandom is not owned by Wizards of the Coast, and fandom is the one that runs D and D Beyond. They just have a I assume a giant licensing deal to make it, which is great. They do a huge job, but it also, there will also always be a little bit of disconnect between Wizards of the Coast and fandom. And so part of that being, I have to buy the books separately. Yeah. Like I, I can buy the book from Wizards of the Coast, but unfortunately I don't have access to it on D&D Beyond until I purchase it usually usually for a cheaper price because they can cut out the cost of you know yeah printing and and all and the book and all and shipping and all that stuff but usually usually for a cheaper price but still i have to if i if i want a copy of it i have to buy it twice right and so the the biggest thing um that i would like to see just out of digital going forward is for the companies to do these types of things in-house, right? Because, or or set up your licensing to where it can be one cohesive unit, which I'm sure is harder to do when you're talking about a separate corporate entity, separate money streams, that that type of thing. But it would be awesome if uh, for whenever down the road, like the eventual sixth edition or something comes out, Wizards of the Coast basically takes this model that D&D Beyond is using, buys it, <laughs> or creates, has an in-house tech team create their own version of it. Yeah. And then they own it. So then I buy the book and then I input a code into the 6E digital toolkit website and now I can, I unlock all that content. That would be and so, that so ideally, nice. ideally that's, that's what you want to see from like the, the vampires, the pathfinders, the, the world of darkness stuff, the call of Cthulhu, like all those, all those, you know, big systems. That's, mm-hmm. that's the type of thing that you want to see. You want to see the either good enough licensing deal in place or a publisher run digital tool set so that it can be, fully strongly integrated into the actual game itself and it just becomes this like additional uh like pre premium's not the word um just just an add-on yeah add-on that there you go that's a that's a good it just becomes this expected add-on for the content itself 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things. Sure. You still allow digital only buys, right? You'll, you still make a bunch of extra money for people who don't necessarily want to buy the books, but they'll, they'll buy the digital versions instead. Yeah. But make it so that if I go and I pay the extra money to buy the physical book, yeah, I can just unlock it on the, on the website and, and have that content too. So it, it'll be interesting to see what that turns into going forward. But again, I really hope over the next few years, we start to see more of the, the bigger companies, um, the bigger games, the bigger, more complex game systems mm -hmm. start to embrace this, uh, this digital way of playing. And I think they will in turn greatly expand their user base because of it. Yeah. I think world of darkness is really the, the next one I would love to see something like this go with because world of darkness is actually a really interesting, you know, game setup. I mean, all uses all D tens and at least it did way back when, when I played it a couple times. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a really neat world to kind of interact with. And I would love to see something similar go with that. Like, like Agreed. do that next. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's a game system that I've, been strongly wanting to try out mm -hmm. but again it's time it's accessibility yeah. i looked i looked at the stuff like people have made you know digital character sheets which are basically you know the the fancy pdfs mm -hmm. which great that helps a little bit yeah you, you, you just fill bit. in the blank though as opposed yeah, to all the math being done for you and, and all that, which is really kind of the, the big difference. That's the big there. draw. Yeah, that's yeah. the big draw. I, and it, it doesn't tell me what all these things mean. I don't have a compendium. I can just look up mm -hmm. real fast and right there in that same site and figure out what everything means. What does the stat mean? It's just, again, a fancy PDF. And yeah. so th those types of things are, they're great starts. They're great starts. They can be helpful, but that is at the, the kind of the, the, the lowest end of, of digital. So having a basically world of darkness beyond.com <laughs> wad beyond <laughs> wad beyond wad beyond that, that just, we're going to move forward from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, having somewhere like that, I could go and then I could select werewolf or vampire or, mm -hmm. you know, one, of the, really cool. one of the several systems that they do. And then boom, it puts me into the, the digital thing. I click create, create character. It gives me all the, the different clans of mm -hmm. vampires that I can create, click on that. And then it kind of runs me through statting my, my person up, depending on what level of, uh, I think, I think they go by like vampire age. Or something like that yeah. um like what what age is this and you know have all that that setting type information and stuff like that's that's what i want like i'm just <laughs> i'm i'm just world of darkness guys <laughs> i'm just waiting please, for that please just waiting waiting for the the digital tool set um to to really jump in um because yeah time time is a is a premium time is a valuable thing Time is a valuable thing. And so anything you can do to make it easier for me to learn your system and then be able to play in your system in, a, in an accessible, easy to access, easy to learn way makes me that much more likely to be able to try your system on top of something I'm already doing. Exactly.
Speaking of time being a valuable thing, should we move forward to our next uh, discussion point? Yes. I, was, uh, <laughs> I just brain farted there. I was just like, <laughs> yes. I know yes. you had a, a small confused look on your face. I'm like, no, this is a segue. He knows what I'm doing. <laughs> this is a segue. I know it. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's been a long week. Um, it really has. There's, yeah. Life is life. Life is life. Uh, no, let's, uh, let's segue to interludes, which are breaks in time. <laughs> I don't know. This is, sorry, folks. You're just getting what you get. <laughs> I'll tell you. So I'll just, uh, I'll put in a little intermission music right here or something. And <laughs> yeah. So remember back in the movies when they had like intermissions like so long movies like i remember like uh like chitty chitty bang bang yeah mm-hmm. and i that i never saw that in theaters of course but like i i remember hearing about uh like family that saw it in theaters and like halfway through they just pop a screen and music on and it's just like all right go get up go I mean, get it's another usually at snack. a stopping point like between yeah, yeah, yeah. scenes or something uh you know the um i know they did it with uh sound of music um, yes 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 i don't entirely know for sure if monty python and the holy grail really had one but uh it feels like one that would well the thing Honestly. is, is there's definitely a scene for an intermission <laughs> that's about 30 seconds long so possibly <laughs> yeah you, you never know but it's yeah it was yeah it was basically just like okay get up go to the bathroom grab some snacks mm-hmm. stretch whatever and so i wanted to kind of talk about the concept of interludes in D campaigns yeah and so uh i wanted to bring this up because uh for those that listen to our actual play plus five to hit that ben and i do along with uh several other really talented people um we are coming up on the ending of the first arc of that that campaign the first like section of it uh so this is this is a campaign that will probably be ongoing for a pretty decent amount of time rhyme in itself is a pretty long campaign and then if all goes well uh, a lot of us are hoping that we can take it you know a little a little further even beyond rhyme which would be super cool and to see the characters grow and find out about all the other world stuff and, and what's happening uh, with some of the backstories. So what we're, what we're planning on doing and what we kind of want to pitch to you, especially if you are doing a long running campaign is the, the idea of interludes. And so interludes are basically, I've hit a decent stopping point. I finished an arc. Uh, we've, or we've, we've hit a, a lull of some sort before something else big happens so we're going to have an interlude. And that mean, could mean, let's uh, take a week and run a one-shot. Everybody roll up some characters. We'll do a one-shot in the same game world, just, just for fun. Uh, you'll get to try something else out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be, hey, let's do a little mini campaign, like a three to five session thing. Uh, it could be something completely different just to break things up or it could be somewhere else in the world. Or uh, if you want to even tie the story together, you could even have uh, the party become some of the NPCs. Uh, 
-hmm. in a specific location or whatever, and you could fulfill another event that you maybe touched on earlier, or, you know, cool stuff like that. Or interludes are a great time to go, okay, I've been DMing this big campaign for you. Um, I want a little break. Uh, this is a good time. Does anyone else want to DM for a few sessions? Yeah. And then, or, or, uh, or a one shot or something like that. And so it gives a great opportunity for maybe one of your players who wants to try out DMing or has, has a good idea for a one or a few session type little mini story or whatever to take the reins, let the DM play a character because that's all, it's always fun for us when we get a when we get to play characters it, it it's it's totally true and so uh just having that flexibility and not only can you give someone else experience you can let other players try out potentially different classes potentially different characters different level ranges um that are are not what your current characters are at and it can just it can just be a very fun like revitalizing, like nice little break between just the the long haul of the campaign. And that's what we are planning on doing personally in our plus five to hit thing is you will start seeing as we hit these interlude points, uh, other players take the reins of DM and run other stories, be it just a, a one shot for, for one week or a or, few yeah, sessions. One or thing. two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I really can't stress enough that these are important times for everybody because, you know, if you do have that person who really does want to get into DMing, this is the perfect time for it because you're you're already playing with a specific group, but even more so at this point, you know, if you get to an end of an arc, it's a group that trusts each other. And for someone who's new to DMing or someone who really wants to kind of take some time and jump in and try it out, it's the perfect time for that because, a lot of people going into DMing for the first time could be incredibly nervous um, or, you know, just scared to do it and worry that they're going to mess something up. But you're already with a group of people that, you know, you're, you're already with a group of people who trust you and who you trust so that if you do, you know, mess something up, whatever, everybody's going to be fine with it. You're there to have a good time. Everybody understands that. And it's one of the best times for everybody just kind of come together and just say, Hey, this is fun. You know, if something really bad happens, it's not our main campaign. So it's not that big a deal. Like let's say it's a, it's a total party kill on the first encounter because the new DM, you know, just like is like me and really bad at balancing, but went way the other way. I mean, you know, granted if, if you have level one characters, don't have them fight, you know, a, a God in the first session or something, you know, maybe not do that, but you know, what? I mean, th there's all these different things. It also lets people, you know, try out new specs to different things. Um, especially if, say, in the main game, someone's thinking about maybe like multi-classing into something. They can try that other class to kind of get a feel for some of the things that they might be able to do as they progress through the, the, the level. I mean, there's so many different, like, good reasons for this that you know, I, I really think that a lot of groups should do this. And this also is not a veiled attempt for Ryan and I both to have our players say, um, hey, I need to DM or do a one shot. No, we're not saying that. It's just, if there's an interest, you know, I, I know uh, we've talked about this before, Ryan and I have, 
we always want more people to DM because it is such a different aspect of the game and it is so much fun and very rewarding that the world can always use more DMs. But even more very so, true. the world can always use more D&D, which is getting in and trying out new things. Like uh, in our, you know, our side arc one-shot interlude thing that we're doing, uh, I have created a kind of crazy character and i am really looking forward to playing him you know yeah and a character that you might not necessarily want to play for a full campaign yeah exactly exactly i get to try some like uh without going into details i'm trying something brand new out uh an aspect of a character that i've never done before and i'm really excited to kind of explore that and see how it goes you know it's it's neat it's fun and then on top of that too getting to play with my friends who are also going to be new different things like that's one of the fun things is is learning their characters and figuring things out about them and you know seeing how we are coming together for whatever reason that we're doing it's it's just exciting all around if you're a dm or a player when you're able to just kind of like mix things up for a little bit before you know going back to that the really epic story that you've already started yeah no i it's I, I echo you a hundred percent. It's, it's allowing a safe space for trial and error. Yeah. And for fun and for learning. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a, it's a great way to do it. Cause like you said, uh, it's, it's with people, you know, already it's with people you trust. Um, and it's usually very fairly low stakes yeah. as far as, Oh, my main character's not gonna die, or you know something like that, or ah, oh, this character I made is just not that fun. But that's okay because I'm only playing him for one, one or two <laughs> sessions, you know. Or uh, like, uh, <laughs> let's try an evil one shot or something like that. It's because it's not necessarily something we want to play a whole campaign of, but it could be kind of fun to to try out and and see see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And it may just be horrible, and that's fine because it's just a one and done. And then you you move back to to your thing, or just like, oh, that was really fun. I'm glad we we tried out some other some other aspect or some other level range mm-hmm. or something like that. That was really cool. Okay, now back to back to our, our stuff. So, yeah. Also, I mean, another thing you can try different environments that you've never been in, like, um, you know, in different worlds. If you wanted to go to Avernus and, you know, kind of see a little bit of what, about what's going on there. If there's a homebrew world, you want to kind of, you know, dip your feet in and, and test out. It's a good way of doing that. Underwater. Um, yeah. Underwater. That, that How is often does that actually happen? I, I want to say, and I have zero, like, evidence or or data to back this up but i feel like water stuff is probably on the lower end range of environments people yeah do, do an entire one shot or or you know couple session shot of uh the the plane of water and you know your atlanteans or mer people or something you know there's it, just like when you create like your homebrew or homeworld or anything like that, if you're not uh, running a an actual campaign uh, like book or a source book or whatever, do whatever you want. If you think it's going to be weird or crazy, great. You know, take that time to uh, have a modern day New York City fantasy campaign if you want. 
you know, maybe yeah, that sounds interesting long should, or something. Yeah. Someone should make a show about that. <laughs> or, you know, what if uh, it was like a, a high school that was a fantasy based high school that took place wow. kind of in modern times. What a great idea. Someone should make a show about that too. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty good. Or, okay. I'm not going to talk Dimension, about, go yeah, watch go. Dimension 20 guys. Seriously. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Incredible. Um, but like overall, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know what? Um, I want to have a prison break from hell. There you go. There, there is a couple shot campaign for you right there to play around with. Yeah. And, and I think one of, uh, just as a DM, if you, you yourself are, are taking on the responsibility, it's not like a, a player interlude uh, doing the DM, but like you, interludes can be a great times to test out homebrew stuff Mm -hmm. they can be a great time to test out like mechanics that you you don't use often or that you're like hmm i wonder if like this type of combat rule would work well in main campaign uh let's give it a shot see see if in a in an environment that doesn't matter that is that's low stakes um and and see how it works and if the players like it it's like oh that might be something I could move to my main campaign or the, this homebrew rule or this homebrew mechanic or whatever. Or if the players are just like, Oh, that was, that was weird. <laughs> that did not work well. Or you go, yeah. that did not work well. <laughs> then that's, that's great. Cool. You've tested it in a, a low stakes environment and you tried it. It didn't work. Throw it out you don't introduce it in, in your exactly. main campaign where it could actually affect things. Like the funny thing is, is that my entire campaign right now is just a test for me to learn how to balance combat. So, you know, <laughs> it's, okay. <laughs> um, no, seriously though, a, a, another cool thing that you can do is either you can tell your players or not, if you're the DM on this, um, you can have a side story going on that might actually affect your main campaign too, with, you know, just a kind of a bunch of throwaway characters uh, or maybe, it, what they're doing is the actual backstory to something that happened thousands of years ago, you know, trying to recover or find or, or get rid of this artifact that then your players are going to try to go and, and, and pick back up for whatever reason. You know, it's, you can kind of have fun with it that way and tie it in if you want, you know, it's entirely up to you on how you want to play around with that. And gosh, there's just so many different things that you can do. Just, I mean, heck, D&D is just so many different things that you can do. But taking a break from the, you know, the, the, well, look at it this way. Uh, TV shows, they have a season. They take a break. And you can watch other things in the meantime. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of, just kind of going off what you were saying, one of the uh, best examples, and I, I don't remember if they actually did this or not. Back when Matt Coville was running uh, Chain of Acheron, uh, which was kind of their their live play based off of his Strongholds and Followers mm-hmm. 5e supplement. Um, one of the things they had talked about doing was a heist at some point with uh, their characters, but the way that's set up, their characters are kind of the top level of this mercenary band Mm -hmm. and so the heist basically was almost like a side story type thing where they took control of some of the underlings or where they would take control of some of the underlings and then go and do this heist with them 
with with their character sheets with these with these different characters in a completely different setting and the result of which could affect the main campaign but not necessarily their main characters gotcha so I, cool. I always thought that was kind of a kind of a neat a neat little uh little uh idea of how to kind of integrate something different it's just like let's all be rogues or something like mm-hmm. that uh and we try and do this elaborately made heist that specifically is made for rogues because i know you're all playing rogues and stuff that happens may affect the main campaign but it won't necessarily affect your your main characters i i okay so there's something that is going on in my world that i think my players are going to completely miss because they've already passed it and i really am so tempted to talk about it right here to tell you i'll tell you offline just just what it is it's a big old tease yeah yeah i'm just gonna do that (laughs) not even going to give a hint to my players of what it is because yeah. you know what it's okay i wasn't expecting you to 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 interact with this thing anyway but regardless okay i'll tell you later there you and go. i can't, I can't bring players. it up as i can't well here's the thing. I, can, <laughs> I can actually have that come up as a side thing maybe i don't know I'll figure something out with it because yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs to be represented in some form because all good so ideas dumb. all good ideas should be recycled and reused yes exactly as, as needed as needed okay um anyway. but yeah interludes if uh if you're running the campaign and you haven't done something like this we uh we encourage you to think about it try something mm-hmm. like that um and potentially when you do offer offer the reins for a short time to another one of your players if they're interested and then you could be their coach it's Definitely. Yeah, it can be it can be a really great way to go, and it can be a, a nice little break for you, as well. Um, all right, moving on to our community content shout out. This is super cool. Um, so this is uh, on the Dungeon Masters Guild from Steve Fiddler, and it is a fully custom class called Prism, Prism class, Light and Magic, and so it's a, it's an incredibly cool concept. Uh, for this like light uh, emotion based class that has this like influence pool that restores at the start of each like combat turn that you can use to do different things called projections. Mm -hmm. Super, super interesting. Depending on how you build, you can be like a damage or support type thing or, you know, something like that. Um, and the, the cool thing about this is that it is completely free for the month of June. Uh, you can just go and grab it and download it. And then the, Steve's got uh, a few other different bundles you can get that go with it, uh, like an Eberron one or three new subclasses that you can, you can buy separately uh, or a bundle where you can get everything. But if you're looking, if your, your DM is open to it and you're looking for like a way to change things up uh sometimes uh some of these very well produced uh custom classes that have been play tested and um and tried out can be really cool to dive into 
uh, just as a as a change of pace, especially if you've been playing a long time and you've you've had characters of, of every different class and you're looking for something different. These types of things can be super interesting to to try out. Uh, and I mean, the price can't be better than this. <laughs> so uh, we'll have a link to this in the show notes, dndiscussions.com. I personally want to try uh, try one of these out the next time we do an interlude. I think sometime like in one of our plus five interludes, I'm, uh, I, I really want to try one of these out. This Seems is pretty really cool. cool. I, I just downloaded it actually, like literally just now because it's June. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> so yeah. like, cause this, this episode is, is coming out shortly from when we're, actually talking about this so you'll have several weeks tomorrow (laughs) yeah it's coming out tomorrow we that's how our week has been (laughs) we're recording it the day before it comes out normally that doesn't happen but uh so yeah it's it's super exciting uh to see content like this um fully custom not just subclasses but fully custom classes are a lot of effort (laughs) and a lot of design um and well-produced ones are even harder to come by. And so having something like this completely free and accessible this month, uh, like I said, if you're looking for something interesting and unique that has been, that is well-designed and has been play tested and balanced, uh, this might be one to check out. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. There's All a right. lot of, there's yeah, a lot of looking, nice artwork too. Yeah. And some of these spells that are custom for it are pretty neat. Yeah, this is neat. You definitely check this out, and I mean, it, it's free. Download it. It it's pretty cool. I'll just throw yep. that in there. Yeah, and like I said, dndiscussions.com will have a link directly to it in the show notes if you want to go check it out, and or get anything else from Steve's stuff, or specifically uh, the extra subclasses for this if you end up liking it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So now. Before we end, we get to do what is always one of our favorite things to do and talk about our games. So Ben, I know you had some epic things. We got to play. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's start off with that. We got to play. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of an important thing when you're, you know, talking about what you did. (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, And you, boy, did you play from what I hear. We, uh, okay. So we, it, it was actually about a month ago or so that um, actually a little bit more than a month at this point, because we played last week um, that uh, was the last time we had to play. Cause you know, again, life happens, stuff happens. People weren't able to, to meet up all that fun stuff. Um, so we had left off with the caravan going through the Everwilds, And I had uh, the, the, our paladin had her role, you know, because random encounters when you're going through a horrible horrible place where evil things live so she she hit a certain thing so i'm like okay roll again because this one had sub tables based on what you get and then so she hit a number so i'm like okay roll again because <laughs> yeah it was uh first roll was dragon uh second roll was fly over just try to steal something or attack and then third roll was well be sneaky just jump right in try to intimidate like i had a couple you know things kind of figured out here so it's a green dragon 
um, in the previous session, it had flown overhead and caught wind of something going on, something weird, but kept going because it's a green dragon. It's not going to just jump in and, and fight right away. So it's been kind of tracking them. On top of that, too, um, the, the, uh, they went down the path, which went a lot closer to its, its lair. And uh, so all the animals were kind of spying for the green dragon because, you know, it's kind of what they do and, and all this stuff. Of course, you know, the party doesn't know what's going on. They just know, hey, I rolled and Ben was excited about something. And then we ended playing. <laughs> so um, as they're going through, there's like, you know, like a, a kind of a green fog kind of rolling in. Um, and not super dense or anything, but, you know, it's just it's kind of there. The, the force is getting thicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden this booming voice asks what they're doing in their forest and it, it it tries to make a deal with them saying that you know i'll leave some of you alive if you you know appease me and they weren't really having any of it so then all of a sudden just poison spray just bleh, just you know poison breath right out of the dragon um killed four horses just instantly uh as well as a oh fifth, no which I mean, I thought all I, your horses have voices. Uh, the ones that did are now dead. Oh no. Yeah. I, I felt really bad about that because well, uh, Nevermore wasn't able to, to play with us this, this time. And she loves her horse. And unfortunately her, her, her horse died. So when, when she came back home, I had to tell her and she wasn't happy with me. Um, but that just means that, you know, there's more horses out there in the world. So it wasn't you. It yeah. was the green dragon. Exactly. And the green the dragon is, hates horses. Ben loves horses. I do. I do. Because, you know, I love giving animals voices. You know, even though I pretend I don't, I absolutely love it because it's always a what kind of voice is this going to be kind of situation. And I'm, I, I love doing that. And by the way, my voice work is horrible. So that's another reason why I really love doing it. Um, but anyway, so she was also caught in the blast, but rogue, so you know, half damage from evasion. Um, but she, because she wasn't there, I'm not going to have her fight a dragon and potentially die if she's not actually at the session. So um, her character went, grabbed the the lord who's been riding with them on this caravan, and you know, took him off to safety. Since I had balanced the encounter with five players, though, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little rough. So one of the guards who was hired to go along with them, because, you know, it's not just their party guarding the, the group. There's, you know, like six hired guards or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I created a, a, a DM a PC, made him like level eight where they're level 10, uh, just a simple fighter to, you know, kind of get in there and help out a little bit because, you know, I don't want everybody to die because, well, one I don't want everybody to it. die. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they fought a green dragon and it was glorious it went like four or five rounds which i'm really happy about um but even more so i in and you know i know we gushed about dnd beyond a whole bunch before but i used the combat encounter in dnd beyond for a green dragon and because of it, i'm i have access to the alpha i was able to do all my dice rolls in that for the dragon which oh, was amazing nice. that's so nice. great so yeah, I, I love that. Um, although the dragon never got its breath weapon back, which I'm really kind of upset about that, but that's okay, whatever. Um, 
but I mean, it, it went through, it attacked, it, it caused some damage. At one point, uh, the, the paladin was standing on top of a horse corpse to reach the, the dragon because it, it lowered down to, to smack her and attack her. And then she got up just the extra five feet that she needed. <laughs> um, the, the bard threw out a vicious mockery because she's like, I don't know what to do. This is, it's a dragon. And, you know, I'm, I'm resisting um, uh, polymorph. I resisted uh, banishments. I, I only had to use one legendary resistance. It, it was actually uh, beating all the others. Um, but I really feel like I was, I was doing a good job. I was actually using legendary actions correctly. I, I was, you know, I, I felt good about my play. Providing on, the is, challenge that a green dragon. Yeah, should. exactly. Exactly. Um, and it got to the point where it was actually hurt enough where I'm going to fly away because it's a green dragon. It's not going to stick around and fight to the death. So I'm going to go and fly. Paladin pulls a sentinel reaction, stops it from flying away. Oh no. And I'm sitting there like, oh no, because I know what that means. So then next legendary action, I did the two for the for the uh the the wing buffet or buffet, whatever. And uh, uh wing buffet. Yeah, knock everybody down. My favorite um, kind of buffet. And instead of double double moving. I had to have it attack because it's pissed and it's got its honor on the line. So attack and then leave, except it was within range for some range attacks and they, they took down the dragon. I mean, it was, if, if man, wow. if that Sentinel hadn't have hit, the dragon would have been gone. And I bet you it would have been back before they left the forest. But, oh, it was a great fight. I was so proud of them for taking it out. I was really proud of me for running it, I thought, pretty well. And then after that, they're like, okay, so what are we going to do? And the paladin's like, I'm going to cut its head off, and I'm going to put it on top of the cart because it's cool. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. Um, so, you know, they, they, they uh, harvested some you know, scales off of it, some claws and everything, um, got some dragon blood. Uh, and then they're like, okay, so what are we going to do? And they're like, dragons usually have a horde let's find its home so i'm like yes so about two miles away there was a, a horribly great roll there was a, a a mountain with like a sheer cliff that they could see some water coming out of it so they ended up going over there um the bard polymorphed into a giant eagle flew everybody up onto the the ledge and then they're in this cave that just has a lake in it and then they end up realizing, okay, you need to swim under uh, like, you know, the wall and then up and then you're in the dragon's lair. So then there's all these like different statues, a bunch of different instruments and stuff, you know, kind of typical, you know, dra uh, green dragon horde stuff. They got a crap ton of gold and platinum, which they're going to a trade town. So that's going to come in handy. Uh, which, by the way, I, I totally uh, created a, a catchphrase for my trade town, which is if you can't find it in trade more, it doesn't exist. Ooh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they ask for when they get to town were, <laughs> and what I get to make up with on the fly. Were you expecting them to kill the dragon and get no. the horde? No, I wasn't actually because I'm like, okay, well, dragon's going to get out of there and it's going to continue pestering them if, you know, if they don't kill it. I didn't think that, well, first of all, I thought I was going to be able to fly away one round sooner. And I didn't because of the mockery and, and stuff because 
butthurt dragon's gonna stick around to one more round. Yeah, yeah. And then the that. sentinel stopped it from going the round that that's I, unfortunate. I didn't want it to go. So I'm like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, this dragon's toast. So <laughs> I was like, I was really again super proud of them for doing that and for you know, like playing off of the the arrogance of a dragon and really doing what they could to get into range to, you know, fight it appropriately and everything. And so it, it, it's funny too, because I'm like, going into planning in this, I'm like, okay, so when it flies away, I have to know where its, it's layer is because they might chase after it. It never came to, they're going to go to the layer and get the horde after it's already dead. <laughs> so I'm like, cool great yeah so um they they came away with um like a, a magic uh flute the bard has a, a new magic flute uh there's like a lucky stone that was in there tons of gold um they have some like you know actual fancy instruments and stuff that they took with them that they can probably sell for for a whole bunch and um yeah no no person died and then uh so, you know, they got back to town. They ended up uh, camping there for the night. They were going to figure out what to do to get the rest of the carts going. And it uh, turns out some of the guard horses are now going to be used as uh, uh, horses to pull the wagons. Because, you know, we lost enough that two wagons <laughs> wouldn't move on their own. Um, so then, you know, th they had a, a victorious night. It was great. Um, the cleric scried on on uh, his father again to kind of, you know, see what's going on and and what plans are happening for the, uh, the trade summits. Uh, they had a nice long rest, woke up. Two of the members of the caravan were kidnapped. Oh no. And that's where we left off. Oh. And the best thing is, is one Thank of those you. members is uh, uh, Theodore Ted Teddings. I was so good at naming people at the beginning of the campaign. Oh my God. Um, he is infatuated with the paladin like so much so like thinks that she is the like even more of the hero that she really is and like is totally in love with her so like everybody's like do we really need to go get him but then the other person was the head of the mining guild so they're like okay we probably should <laughs> this is like here's this, here's this one guy and then here's the really important guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean the thing is is when i was trying to figure out who's going to be coming to represent this town from the mining guild i'm like oh of course it has to be this jackass <laughs> so yeah i'm like you know trying to figure out okay who's going to be kidnapped and i'm like oh of course he is you know totally makes sense for it in fact the 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 mini that i have for him is this guy going like ah like like <laughs> like yelling and screaming <laughs> all scared and stuff because i'm like that's going to represent ted Perfect. excellent excellent <laughs> so yeah it's it was a great session like i said i'm so proud of them they did such a great job and uh, i'm really looking forward to this uh next beat and uh once we're off air i'll tell you what they're going to be fighting so <laughs> well i mean if they choose to fight i mean who knows if what's going to happen to fight. Yeah, yeah you never know uh yeah. I, what they will be encountering let's let's put encountering. it that way. yep there you yeah. go there you go uh what about you what have you what have you been up to in uh your like 50 campaigns in <laughs> my 50 campaigns um well i got a lot of people um pinging me and asking me to go into more depth about the giant uh like uh second arc ending yeah. with with the avatar and stuff which i was just like okay that's fair because since we had when since we had amy on last week i didn't want to like 
go super in depth yeah. <laughs> and, and waste, a, waste a ton of time on, on something that she, she may or may not care about. And I'd, I'd much rather hear from her than, yeah. than hear that type of stuff. But uh, I, am, I am happy to share it now. That Good, we have because a, a little, I also want to know more about what A little, little more time. <laughs> uh, so this, like, like I, I may have mentioned uh, the last time, this was by far the most complicated complex thing i've ever run not just for running it but for planning it as well oh really trying to make it uh balanced (laughs) in in some in some way shape or form uh the actual battle itself went about 10 rounds Um, oh wow and it was that's that's a, a minute spell ending yeah, that's pretty like, amazing. There were some there were there was some concentration stuff that ended on time, uh, which never, <laughs> never. <laughs> I know that's actually really amazing. I, never happens. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, the, the yeah the entire the the whole session was about eight hours, um, and it was just and we had kind of planned for it that way. We had planned for it to be kind of a, a big deal. Like we, we got dinner and, and everything. And this was like our first in-person session back in a year and a half. So it mm-hmm. was, it was, it was a big deal. Everyone, everyone was having, having fun with it. Um, the actual battle itself probably took up six to seven uh, of those, those hours. Okay. Um, and so I split it into three different, phases essentially uh phase one was basically getting up onto the floating platform phase two was getting to the center of the floating platform and then phase three was the summoning portion itself and i'd kind of seeded some stuff uh beforehand that would make make or break different things in the fight depending on what what people did so i did i've been slowly developing like uh, what i kind of call cinematic combat which okay. is more just like it, less dice rolls and more narrative type thing. So we did mm-hmm. that sort of thing to get them up to the platform. Um, as they got there, Kroll basically, you know, projecting his image, just like, glad you were, you know, glad you were able to make it. Uh, <laughs> we're almost done doing what we need to. So you'll have to give us a moment type thing. And then boom, like 50 skeletons. And so we did, I did those uh, with minion rules. So we, we kind of played fast and loose with the initiative order. Um, Basically let them go like bust down multiple things a turn. These are things that at their power level, they're just smashing through and destroying, uh, a few of them took just a little bit of damage from that, but it was that was kind of like a, a meat grinder type yeah. thing from the the enemy. That's just like it's Sauron walking you. through and swinging and hitting like twelve guys. At exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where your player characters are Sauron in that in that space. Um, then I basically I've got these huge map books, um, and so I laid them down, and it's just this huge long path. Mm-hmm. basically to the center piece and so once they got to the the middle part there's skeleton archers there's some skeleton like spearmen there's some uh like cultist casters and then there's these two giant skeletons the that are blocking the way 
that have, are like amalgamations of different bones of things and whatnot, which that part actually ended up being slightly harder than I thought it was going to be because they just rolled so poorly. And so they, <laughs> they actually ended up taking, taking more damage than I thought they would because not only was I balancing this for them, I was balancing it for them plus uh, five NPCs. Oh, okay. So what I ended up doing uh, was basically uh, one of my characters, his monk, uh, monk head, like the lead order of his his uh, monastic order, was there helping with two other kind of monk acolytes. Okay, uh, a magus from the the main city was there, and then their um, copper dragon friend she's kind of been in and out throughout the entirety of the campaign Mm -hmm. they they a lot of the characters have known her for a while uh they really like her they she's you know she's there to help them sometimes and this was a big deal and so she's she's there to help too so what i ended up doing is i printed out the character sheets for the two monks and the mages and i handed them to different players who wanted to play them and i'm like you're playing this. And so, and they wanted to, so a few of them, so two people got to play monks or like, you know, watered down versions of monks. And then like a a watered down wizard. I had had a spell list that they could choose from. They had certain amount of spell slots and things they can do. And so that took part of the NPC burden off of me. highly recommend if you do a big combat like that and you don't have like i i ended up running the the head of the the monk order and cassie the 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 dragon um because they are named characters they have specific personalities and so i need to i need to play those characters yeah makes sense other ones that are not like super fleshed out and stuff like that it's like yeah sure so I gave those to the players, gives the, the players, uh, especially the players who don't have crazy combat turns, like my monk fighter, <laughs> multi-class, his, his, <laughs> he, can, he can have one heck of a turn oh, yeah. uh, if he wants to. Um, so some of the ones that have had slightly less to do, I gave them NPCs and they just went on their initiative and they had, they had a little extra to do, which is cool. And that's less on me to run. So they, they worked their way through to that. Um, they got to the thing. Uh, I had this whole mechanic set up where these two red gems were basically powering the summoning. And uh, they were also activating or empowering the ability to do layer actions for the combat for the bad guy side. Okay. Uh, so as soon as the avatar was summoned and came through, those layer actions kicked in and started. So basically I had, and all this was custom. Like this was, this was all completely custom. I actually ended up making a new damage type called blood damage for this fight. That was a special thing for the, the uh, avatar ball himself, where if he did 15 blood damage in a single hit, at least 15 blood damage in a single hit. And he had one attack that could cause it. And the layer action had one attack that could potentially cause it. Um, and I set it up so that the max damage that you could roll was above 15, but not like way above 15. Okay. So there was like a 
25, 30% chance that the player getting hit with the blood damage would get hit at 15 or higher. And the, it was cool that the players picked up the, the mechanic after a while of uh, the over-under thing. It's like, oh, good. I only took like 12 points of blood damage, so he can't do his... He can't do his thing. And so his special ability that he could use on a reaction or a bonus action was called hemorrhage. And uh, it basically caused them to have to make a saving throw. And if they didn't make it, they had to roll a D20. And it was a D20 plus a small amount. And whatever they rolled, they permanently lost that amount of hit points. And he healed that amount of hit points. Oh, oh, that's cool. So it, it was kind of like a cool push and pull type thing. And so being able to have that on the, the um, layer action and like as an attack that he could do as well was, was kind of fun and seeing them pick up on <laughs> that, that specific mechanic uh, was, was really cool too. Um, <clears throat> and just so kind of figuring that out. So they had that. Um, so he had a few different things he could pick from, from his layer actions because they, several sessions back had stopped the ritual that the bad guys were casting in the main temple yeah. um, and saved it. That actually activated a cool mechanic um, call, that I called the temple of Foltus artifact and it gave them layer actions. Oh, that's cool to use during the fight. If they had failed and had not, and they barely, they barely saved that artifact from getting corrupted. Um, but if they had failed, they wouldn't have gotten this mm-hmm. extra, extra help. Um, Cause I had planned at least a version of it way back when, but they did end up saving the artifact. And so I gave them their own layer action. So I made four different things. And then as we hit, you know, the 20 initiative of each round, I said, who wants to roll a D4? Oh. And so there was a, there's one for everything. So the first one uh, granted plus four to saving throws for the entire round for everybody. Very cool. Uh, the second one granted advantage on all attacks for the round. Uh, the third one healed all friendly combatants for like 15 plus 2d8 health. That's not bad. And then the fourth one, uh, the person got to roll a d20 to hit and add eight. And everything on the field that had an armor class of that or high or, or less got 3d6 radiant damage dealt to them. Nice. So it was kind of like this big, you know, like radiant AOE. And so, and because there, at first there was tons of like, there's extra skeletons on the field. There's mm-hmm. extra, there's like three main dudes that all have legendary actions, which is one of the reasons why this was, one of the most intense, the most intense thing combat I've ever run. Yeah. Um, but so like, it was so fun to see like, oh, I got a, a, a 15 plus eight, so 23. So that literally hits basically everything on the field. So it's just <laughs> like, okay, sweet. Roll 3d6. <laughs> These huge beams of light shooting out from this giant pillar of light that is shot up from the temple when the avatar was summoned kind of as a like, this is the last ward of protection against this evil. We saved yeah. it. So, and it was so cool because uh, that layer action ended up getting the killing blow <laughs> on the avatar itself, which you could you, like, you can't plan this stuff. You, you, you cannot plan this stuff. It, it's like, that is, 
the most appropriate thing ever of this like divine beam just like shooting through him and just like dusting that dusting. is cool like, it was it was so cool like everyone was just like oh yeah <laughs> when they because he rolled super high on the damage for the beam and he rolled a great uh, above the ac of the the avatar and this huge beam just ended up killing it. it yeah it was it was super 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 cool so like that was uh they they didn't figure out for some reason that like this this group just does not go for casters <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like guys these are the dudes that give you the most problems every single time you fight it's yeah casters like doing all the things like the the monk almost got hit by a disintegration but one of the players used an npc to counterspell the disintegrate that would have oh. hit the monk fighter so that was super cool and then that npc got disintegrated himself oh because no kroll got pissed that he that he stopped it but it was it was incredibly cool because he saved the monk i i don't think it would have killed him outright um unless i had basically almost maxed yeah. the, the disintegrate damage but i mean that would have done like 70 80 damage which is a massive chunk of yeah health. that that's so how i almost that was uh, completely huge, killed one of my players so yeah <laughs> huge win yeah huge win for them um we even had a point and it was it was so cool because it just ended up being during the uh layer action artifact where they had plus four to the saving throws for the round where Cassie, their dragon, was low, and Kroll used his last high-level slot to try and disintegrate her. Oh. And everyone was just like, oh, no. <laughs> because this is the character they actually care about. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it was, it was a huge deal because um, uh, our artificer was just like, flash of brilliance, or touch of genius, it, what, one, of the, one of the two yeah. that basically gives you like an extra additional plus to the saving throw. It ended up being that they had rolled the plus to the saving throw on the, the D four for their layer action at the time. And so this is, and this is one of my favorite NPCs too, honestly, like just, just a super fun NPC. And so, and I was just like, I'm going to roll this in front of the board. Like, I want you to know if this actually happens or not so like i was putting it all out there too at the same time yeah. and i was so scared <laughs> I, <laughs> I really did not want her to die but i was just like if it happens like it's it's gonna happen publicly yeah so i rolled and uh i rolled well with the and with the extra bonuses and everything uh disintegrate mist because disintegrates all or nothing. Yeah. So, so that was everyone's. <laughs> so there's there was like several big moments like that <laughs> that were super fun. And fortunately, they didn't figure out that they could destroy the red gems mm -hmm. until like they originally were going for it. Something happened and they stopped going for them. And I I, I don't remember exactly why they did, but the whole mechanic was if you destroyed both the gems. That disabled the enemy layer actions. Oh, wow. Like they're done. And so uh, they figured it out towards the end. 
and got them destroyed. So the last like two or three rounds, they didn't have enemy layer actions, like good, adding good. on to the damage. So that was, that was really good, but that was like another secondary objective. So uh, one of the best things, one of the best pieces of advice I can give when you're doing these, and this was like a level 13 combat, level 12 or 13 combat, mm -hmm. um, is in these high level combats, don't just, it's, don't just make them straight HP pools. Yeah, like they're, they're definitely going to have some HP pools. <laughs> they, they're going to have to fight, but give secondary objectives, give like ancillary stuff mm -hmm. that they can do that makes the fight more dynamic uh, or can change things mid fight because that's how you're going to add some of the challenge in because you can go into it going, this fight is overpowered, but they can make it fair by doing yeah. this, this or this. And it's just like, okay, then they need to decide, do I do this? Do I do this? Do we just try and power through and just dump all of our damage into, into these guys? Uh, like it, it, it's, it just gives choice and it makes the fight more dynamic and more interesting. So that was, that was kind of the whole I, idea of it. And are there things, some things I would do different? Probably. There are probably some things that I would do different, some things that I would change up. Um, but overall, I was incredibly happy with how the fight turned out and the, the prep I did for it. Because um, like I said, normally I don't spend <laughs> this much time prepping yeah. for, for certain things. And so much of this was custom. Like normally I don't, I love making custom stuff, but normally I don't do this much like custom stuff, but I really wanted to make it special and interesting and introduce some things that they'd never seen before. Um, and then again, reward them for some of the things that they did earlier. So it ended exactly. up, it ended up working out really well. And I was, I was really happy. That's really cool. It, it sounds yeah. like it was a, like definitely well um, rewarding for all the work that you put in. And it sounds like it was really rewarding for the players as well. So, I mean, that, that is a sign of a really good encounter. So very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, I was, I was really happy with it. And several of them actually messaged me afterwards and said, that was really cool. And as a DM, that's like the <laughs> ultimate, like, ah, thank you. I really appreciate that because I put a lot of time and effort into that. And like one of, one of my players is like, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I could never, I can never do that for eight hours running the amount of stuff you ran. And I was like, to be completely honest with you, my brain is fried. <laughs> like I went into, that was, that was definitely, and I, I, I think I've probably talked about this once or twice before, but I basically like, that was all my extrovert energy mm -hmm. spent. Like it was, it was done. I went into like super, <laughs> super introvert mode on sunday oh, yeah. and i was just like okay i don't want to talk to anybody i'm kind of done it's I'm like you're, you're just like sitting on the couch under a blanket with a switch yeah pretty much it's, <laughs> it's that type of thing except in this case it was mass effect legendary edition yeah is also incredibly appropriate shout out to yeah. all my shepherds fem sheps fem shep best shep yep but yeah that was for for all that wanted more details <laughs> That's the that was definitely that more the, details. <laughs> that is the more details version of that. It was it was super fun, uh, and we're we're gonna move in. They leveled up. Obviously. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> After that, <laughs> uh, I believe I I think they're all they're thirteen now. Um, 
and so we're gonna do next session when when everyone's schedules line up again we're gonna probably jump forward two or three months and do some downtime stuff before we start uh embarking on the the final arc of the the campaign good call good call so I'm, I'm looking forward to it but yeah that's <laughs> that that long-winded explanation uh is that's that was my my big thing i don't expect to do that again for for a little while <laughs> probably <laughs> um but it's again it's it's all learning process it's all learning process like i said this is the highest i've ever been as a dm um or as a player i've had i have one player character i've played that hit level 10 Ooh. um and so like this this campaign is the highest i've ever played uh as a dm or a player and so it's it's a learning experience it really is the the best thing you can do is just kind of watch other people um and then just play to the strengths your strengths like uh you know your party at this point you know most likely what can challenge them what capabilities they have my party is is hard <laughs> like even harder than normal just because almost all of them can heal in some <laughs> <laughs> some way, way, shape, or form. Um, so that that's that makes it uh, hard hard to challenge in, in some ways. Uh, no one died. Good. No one. No one fully died. Uh, several went down. Very close. Yeah, I I I did mention that the bard did go down in my uh, uh, in my dragon fight. I mean, dragon fight versus what you did. I know it's like so different at this point, but. <laughs> um, but I, I was actually really excited because my cleric uh, who had awakened his, his uh, artifact weapon um, was able to use one of its powers, which is uh, cure wounds has a range of 10 feet. So he got within 10 feet through cure wounds at the bard and went back and was able to, to uh, get under some cover. It was very nice. It was pretty cool. So I, I was excited. I'm like, you're using it. Very nice. <laughs> I know it's yeah. it's one of those one of those things like as a as a DM I always feel really bad when I do things that take away like a player's turn mm -hmm. like if I paralyze or you know yeah. some some sort of thing that like uh, I feel bad about counterspell but it makes sense that casters would have it yeah no it's it's one of those things where I don't I try to use it sparingly mm -hmm. so that when I use it it makes an impact and it player the players feel it like it it happened to the artificer and the artificer had haste up on the yeah. barbarian and so the barbarian lost haste at the same time <laughs> so both of them <laughs> lost around because when haste goes off you basically oh for for a whole round yeah uh, so like you just get this like sap <laughs> sap of strength um I mean, it makes sense you were just running around really super fast for a minute but yeah no when you play against smart enemies it's just like oh i see that that looks like that caster's holding concentration so boom like mm -hmm. i will i will focus you and that will potentially disable someone else so it is it is a, a really different thing playing smart characters versus like instinctual yeah type type enemies um so that's 
that's kind of an interesting thing. And I think in my and I think my barbarian fell in love with the dragon too. That was yeah, that was funny. That works. <laughs> like they uh uh basically did they they got like the ancestral shield or whatever so they actually used it to keep it from going down and they he's kind of been smitten with her this entire <laughs> time since and and so at the end they're both just down and he's just like i kiss her and i was just and everyone was just like ah <laughs> very cool and, and so that was that was a, it was it was a super funny and and just kind of like a hilarious moment and i rolled and i was just like she kisses you back too. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was fun. It was, it was just a kind of a fun ending to a really crazy thing. Um, especially after several NPCs died. Yeah. Some of the, both, neither the monks made it, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and then of course the, the mages got disintegrated. That was, that was rough, but, Overall, it was it was a very fun fight, very memorable, and uh, a great great end to the arc. So, for anybody okay. who who was asking me about more information, that's that's basically how the whole the whole deal played out. Well, there you go. All right. Well, that my my long winded explanation. We're done. We're done for the episode. That's that's it. Yeah, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> but until then, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, you know what? Keep sending those emails to us at dndiscussions at gmail.com. We are loving all these stories that we're getting, uh, as well as the questions too, which again, like I said, we will be discussing. On top of that, uh, if you have some short form uh, info that you want to send, ask, whatever, I uh, can always reach out on Twitter. That is at dndiscussions. Now, if you're looking for Ryan specifically uh, and, you know, want to know, hey, could do you have anything written down for your actions or whatever? I don't know. Uh, you know, Ryan's a cool guy. He likes to talk about D&D and other stuff. But you can follow him on Twitter. He is at TBKZord. Uh, if you want to follow me and uh, know about some of my misadventures in life, uh, go ahead and follow me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. And, of course, every single episode is on dndiscussions.com, as well as your podcast player of choice. Uh, that's right. We're everywhere you want to listen. I don't know. I just True. threw that out there. Anyways, um, last but not least, make sure to check out Plus 5 to Hit. It is the persistent campaign that is uh, going to be taking an interlude uh, pretty soon here. So check that out. We are having a ton of fun with it. Um, our, our current characters are a lot of fun. Our interlude characters are going to be pretty cool and interesting. So definitely check that out. It is Plus 5 to Hit. And of course... As always, thank you very much for listening. It is great to have you on this uh, campaign trail of ours. And until next time, be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you next time.